This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Everyone needs to protect their financial interests, and seniors might need a little help. So today, Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division, will be our guest on Money Talks. She'll talk about warning signs of senior financial abuse and also alert us to some current scams. And Ryder's here ready to take some personal finance questions. So you can give us a call. Our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 1- 877-672-7464. You can also email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, any financial news to share? Uh, yes. So upcoming this week, we expect to hear from the Federal Reserve, their uh, Federal Open Markets Committee, uh, talking about a rate cut. That's what most people kind of expect, a rate cut. It is... Um, uh, not you know not a hundred percent sure, but that's what people are expecting, especially after uh, rate cuts um, you know previously this year uh, and at the end of last year. Um, the reason that the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates is they want to make it easier for folks to um, get money, uh, cheaper for folks to get money, and encourage them to invest, spend that money, uh, take a, take on a little more risk. So when we talk about taking on a little more risk, we often think, okay, you know. Uh, stock market that should be going up that's a risk on sort of thing um but what we've noticed from the last few rate cuts, I mean, the the stock market has just kind of been up at highs for a little while now, just kind of bouncing around there. So it hasn't just burst through the ceiling. Um, and I don't know if this rate cut, if it if there is indeed a rate cut tomorrow, uh, if that's going to cause it to to explode higher or anything. Um, but the idea, of course, is stimulating the economy, and you would expect to see that reflected in the stock market. Very good. This is Money Talks, and our guest this hour is Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. Bridget, thanks for joining us. If you would start off, what exactly is of senior financial abuse? Well, first of all, let me thank you for having us on this morning. We do appreciate any opportunity that we uh, can get to educate our consumers. We at the Attorney General's Office believe that the best way to prevent someone from becoming a victim of any type of abuse or, or scam is to uh, educate them. So again, thank you so much for having me on this morning. Um, basically, when you when you look at elder abuse or financial exploitation, you have a situation where you have a caregiver, whether it be a family member or someone in an assisted living uh, home, uh, who basically mis- misuses or takes advantage of the trust that's been placed in them, uh, particularly if they have unrestricted access to the senior's finances. So if you have a situation where that is being abused or misused, uh, then you have the opportunity for some type of exploitation of that senior. So uh, if uh, family members uh, might be concerned or, or some things that maybe uh, family members of, of seniors, what are some warning signs, things to look out for when we talk about financial abuse? Well, some things you can look for is uh, if, if it's a family member that is uh, responsible for the senior, if you notice that that family member uh, all of a sudden 
sudden has an influx of uh, money or uh, you notice that the senior has started allegedly giving this family member expensive gifts or if you look at the senior's bank account and you notice that there have, have been large uh frequent withdrawals. That should be a warning sign. Anytime you have a difference in the senior's spending pattern or a, a change in the senior's financial resources, then questions should be asked. And that's a good point about kind of, you know, more broadly about financial abuse, whenever any one person has kind of unrestricted access, as you said. And so that's a good thing to think about when you are planning for either your own or an aging parent's care is, you know, who's going to be watching over their bank account um, who has you know who is someone getting duplicate statements and you know if you have you know two children or you know a trusted friend or you know a trusted relative um, you know making sure that more than one person has Absolutely. their eyes on things yes um, because it's you know you're not necessarily going to notice if you don't have a, if you don't see those bank withdrawals mm-hmm. you're not necessarily going to notice that they're withdrawing you know two hundred dollars every single day you know you, and if you don't live in the same town you're not necessarily going to notice that they just got a new car. Um, so having access, just just notifications, just getting a statement and so you can have a quick look. It's like, oh, well, you know, spending was, you know, pretty normal this month. I'm not too worried right. about anything. Right, right. It's always safer to have more than one person on the bank account. Mm-hmm. So if, if a senior has multiple children, then... Why Let not? Right. Why yeah. not? Why not put both children on there? It, yeah. Right. It's 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 always better. And and some people think, well, you know, people might get offended because mm-hmm. they might they might you know think that you're you're accusing them of something. But it it is really a situation where it's always better to be safe than sorry. Because once the money is gone, it's gone. You can you can try to sue that family member for it. But again, it that's going to cost it, more money. Right. 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 And, and if you they've know. spent it, it's, it's gone. gone. Right. It's gone. So maybe uh, maybe a suggestion of all the siblings uh, get together say once a month once every six weeks or something just to review I mean because I think in a lot of situations there is maybe one sibling that for whatever reason becomes maybe the primary caregiver but uh, you're saying it's important for all of the family members to at least stay aware of what's going on absolutely absolutely because even even if it's a situation situation where it's not a caregiver that's doing the uh, exploiting uh, just if a if a senior is living at home and they suddenly becomes the victim of a scam mm-hmm. and and they have given the money themselves to the scammer right. because they they've they they've been at home all alone they wanted someone to talk to and this scammer is calling them every day mm-hmm. and telling them that they need this money and so if if even if the senior is is has control of the money if they have given that money away to a scammer they're going to be embarrassed to let mm-hmm. the family member know that they've been taken advantage of but if you have a family member who is regularly checking on the senior and is is making themselves aware of what's going on in the senior's finances, then you don't have to wait for the senior to build up the courage to tell the person because Mm -hmm. you have someone who's regularly checking the finances. This is Money Talks, and today we're visiting with Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. Throughout the hour, we're going to be talking about senior financial abuse, so ways to recognize it and to help prevent it so that we can keep our seniors safe in their golden years. Also, we always look for your personal finance questions, so you can give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline. 
org. So, Bridget, in your experience, does it usually end up being someone who is a third-party caregiver? Does it sometimes end up being a family member, or are there instances of, of both kinds of people taking advantage of seniors? We've seen both both instances. It could, it could be a trusted caregiver, but it could, it could also be a trusted family member. And when it's a trusted family member, that's when it's probably the most complicated because you have the senior who, if it's, say, for instance, the grandchild who's doing this, the, well, the senior loves the grandchild. They don't mm-hmm. they don't want to tell other family members that they believe that the, the grandchild may be taking advantage of them. So it's really more complicated when you have a family member. But again, it could be uh, uh, just just a regular paid uh, caregiver or a family member. So again, the, the, the main thing is to just others need to be looking for these scenarios. Someone needs to be asking questions because if 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 the person who's doing the taking advantage of knows that there's no one there to ask questions, then that's when exactly. you have the, the most opportunity for the abuse. And obviously, I guess you would recommend that if you're getting a, a paid caregiver to go through established uh, companies uh, that provide that as opposed to maybe going out on your own and trying to find someone. Yes. I mean, if you and if you go to companies, you know, ask for references. Mm-hmm. Talk to families who've, who've used, used this particular company or this particular caregiver because they're going to be the best indicator of whether or not this person can be trusted. Because remember, this is a position of trust. You're trusting mm-hmm. them with your family member's health and you're trusting them with your family member's safety, but you're also trusting them with your family member's finances. So you have to have someone who is worthy of that trust. All right. Uh, before we get our first break in, let's uh, get a phone call. And so we're going to talk to Charles, who's called in from Jackson. Charles, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Uh, what type, and I should know the answer to this question, but I don't. What uh, types of services do your department offer to, say, citizens across the state of Mississippi? Let's say if they experience this type of activity, uh, should they can they call your office? Because quite a few people that I know, when these types of things happen to them, they be thinking that, well, I need to pri- find a private uh, uh, attorney to deal with, with to deal with that. No, so, I'm sorry, Charles. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. So. So would you share that, please, ma'am? Absolutely. We have several different divisions at the Attorney General's Office who can assist in these type of matters. Uh, as uh, Kevin mentioned before, I am with the Consumer Protection Division. So if you have a situation where the uh, family, the senior has been taken advantage of through some type of scam or fraud, you are welcome to contact our Consumer Protection Division. But we also have a couple of other divisions at the Attorney General's Office who could assist. We have what we call our Vulnerable Adults Unit. If, a, uh, if you have a... A, a senior who's been taken advantage of uh, in the home by um, by a caregiver or family member, you can contact our vulnerable adults unit if, if it's a situation where the senior is in their own home. And then if the senior is in a licensed facility, you can contact uh, our Medicaid fraud unit. They handle abuse and neglect uh, within um, nursing homes. So you have a number of options available to you at the Attorney General's office. But if you just start by calling our Consumer Protection Division, Division, we'll make sure you get to the right division. 
Thank you. All right, Charles, good question. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll take our first break. We're visiting today with Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division, and we're talking about the financial exploitation of our seniors. We'll continue the discussion after the break. Also, you can call us with your general finance questions this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Who are some of the possible perpetrators of financial abuse? We'll tell you that after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks. We always like to remind you that if you ever miss part of a show or want to revisit a previous show, go to mpbonline.org slash money talks to listen again. Also, there's the MPB public media app. When you download that for your smartphone, you can listen to all of the MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. And today we're visiting with Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. According to the National Adult Protective Services Association, financial exploitation is a fast-growing form of abuse of seniors and adults with disabilities. Situations of financial exploitation commonly involve trusted persons in the life of the vulnerable adult, such as caretakers, family members, neighbors, friends and acquaintances, attorneys, bank employees, pastors, and doctors or nurses. So I think uh, the one thing that we've said so far is just to be aware uh, when you have a, a senior that you're uh, maybe your parents or whatever. And um, Bridget, I would also say that um, it's important, I think, to stay engaged with our seniors because if you're you know if you're a regular part of their life if you're checking on them every couple of days if you're just talking about what's going on in their life and that sort of thing I think that they might be more willing to as you were saying earlier maybe get over the embarrassment of, of something that happens but you're, you're keeping a, a watch on this because you know we can't be with the seniors 24 uh, 7 and the way some of these scammers operate uh, they might be hit up several times in a week so I think that regular engagement might be helpful to keep them in the loop and keep them to trust the family members, I guess. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Kevin, because what we have found that is if if a senior uh, has the misfortune to become victimized by a scammer, that scammer will share that victim's information with other scammers. And basically, I was able to get such and such amount out of this person. You, I believe they have more money. You may want to take a second round at this person. Uh, and again, you're, you're absolutely correct. The, 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 the key is to stay connected with our seniors because what we have also found at the Attorney General's office is that the reason why our seniors are targeted is because, number one, they're 
they're at home. You know, they're retired. They're there all day. Uh, they're the ones who are answering the phones. Uh, and then there's the the belief that if if a senior is retired, there's a good chance that they have that retirement check. So they're a good uh trusted resource that they know that they're going to might have some some money that they might be able to get access to and then our seniors also grew up in a time where you don't you're not you don't want to be rude to people over the phone you know when i speak to different senior uh, groups i tell them i know we we live in the south but it's okay to hang up on a scammer. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. Because if you didn't initiate that phone call, you have every right to hang up that phone. Uh, if it's not someone that you know, if it's not someone that, that, that you trust. But again, if you have a family, a senior who doesn't have any family, who doesn't have anyone to talk to, they're going to like getting that call from that scammer mm-hmm. every day. And the scammer is going to pick up on that. They're going to know this is someone that I can keep on the phone and that if I keep talking mm-hmm. to them, I can get their trust, and I might be able to get some money out of them. Uh, if you'd like to join our conversation today with a phone call, maybe you have a scam to warn us about or a situation that you've encountered that could be illustrative to the rest of us, uh, give us a call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can send an email as well to money at mpbonline.org. And as always, writers here ready for those personal finance questions as well. So um, what maybe what are some key words that a person might need to watch out for uh, in a financial offer or maybe on a phone call or something uh, that might uh, be a red flag and, and, and indicate that something might be amiss? Well, if, if the scammer is, is uh, using the telephone, a lot of times they'll use words like, you have to act now. This is a one-time offer. Uh, they also may encourage the senior to uh, keep this confidential. You know, if you tell others, that may lessen your chances of winning. So mm-hmm. anytime you have a situation where you're being rushed or you're being told to keep something secret, those should be red flags. And I think um, almost always when some, one, when something sounds too good to be true, it often is. Um, but anytime someone offers a guaranteed return or um, really seems to be appealing to a sense of um, security, uh, oh, you can never lose this, um, there are very few things which you might actually legitimately say you could never lose this money. Um, And sometimes that's simply misstating uh, how something works. Um, But particularly appeals to a very specific emotion of somebody, um, such as that security, or just, you know, promises of of huge outsized returns. Um, You know, hey, we found the next Amazon, and and we're going to sell it to you. You only. It's like, why? Are you just calling random phone numbers in the phone book and offering them this great opportunity wow right you know that's just that's just not going to happen right and what we what we uh, find again with like like the common lottery scam or, or the sweet sweepstakes scam where you receive something in the mail or you receive an email saying congratulations mm. you're a winner you've you've won ten thousand dollars in our lottery well the first thing I ask the consumer is did you enter this lottery? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I promise you, you can't win a lottery that you don't enter. And in, and then it shouldn't cost you to be a winner. Right. So a lot of times these scams say, yes, you've won. You're the lucky winner of ten thousand dollars. All you have to do mm-hmm. is pay the taxes and fees. Pay us three thousand dollars right. to get your winnings. Well, again, it shouldn't cost you to be mm-hmm. a winner. If you're a winner. 
it shouldn't cost you money. And and even if it's a small fee, you may think, okay, you know, they asked me to send a check for $10 or something. And, you know, mm-hmm. even if it is a scam, I mean, it's only $10 and maybe they'll send me that 10000 When you send someone a check, they have on that check your name, your address, right. your possibly your phone number, which they probably already called you, your signature, your bank account number, and the routing number. They have all the information they need there. Right. And that's the, that's basically a right a phishing scam, mm-hmm. phishing to get your information, and exactly. that that can be done in a in a number of scams. Mm-hmm. Yes, but anytime you send back something to them and you give them your information, then you're opening yourself up for more opportunity to be victimized. That's correct. And, and I think another reason why it's good to stay engaged with our seniors is is because I think that's the way that some of these scams work. Is you know, writer's example of okay, I've won this, we just need you know ten dollars to process your winnings. Okay, that. T- they send $10. Oh, well, there's been some sort of mistake, so we actually need, and so it's where they continue to... Right, they keep reeling you in, because once once they see that they've, they've got yeah. you, they, they're just going to keep keep you on the hook, just mm-hmm. drawing you in more and more and more, and it's, it'll, it'll never end. And speaking of checks, uh, one thing that we've seen uh, more recently is folks sending, yeah, they'll receive in the mail a check, and it'll just say, have some generic, oh, this is from this such and such a refund, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, whoa, we overcharged you, and we're sending you, sending you back um, this amount. And you know, it'll, it'll be for a few dollars, or maybe $20, you know, something, something not super significant. Um, but typically what that involves is someone says, okay, well, you know, great. I, I don't remember this, but I'm going to deposit that anyway. And uh, depending on how you deposit your check, they may be able to have access to uh, one it's fake check, so it's it's going right. to bounce. Um, but two, uh, they may have access to your bank account number after seeing that, and they may see what bank processed that. So they have the routing number. So again, they're getting all your banking information just by getting you to uh, cash a fake check. Um, that being said, you know there are legitimate things, but you should you should remember them, or you should keep track of those things. Right, and Ryder, that's a very good point because. Not only have you been the victim of a counterfeit check scam, but you also have opened yourself up Mm -hmm. to criminal charges because basically you have presented an unlawful check Mm. to your banking institution. And if they choose to, they can pursue uh, bounce check charges against you. So uh, it's not just getting access Mm -hmm. to your bank account. It's also possibly subjecting yourself to criminal charges. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, take be be suspicious, be suspicious of things that just show up and seem like, oh, this is just like nice and and surprising. Uh, If it's a little too surprising, you know, think back. Yes. And we have actually had um, family members bring seniors into our office with the counterfeit checks because Mm. the family member couldn't convince the senior that it was a counterfeit check Mm. and would not believe it until they brought them to our office and we sat them down and we made calls and did research and looked into it and confirmed for them that it was actually a counterfeit check. We're visiting on Money Talks with Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division, talking about keeping our seniors safe from uh, financial exploitation and uh, scams in general as well, because they not only uh, uh, target uh, the elder uh, citizens, but also they they go after just about anybody they can. We've got a phone call to get to, so next we're going to say good morning to Stephen in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Stephen. Go ahead. Hi. um, I recently experienced a situation where my... uh, 
my grandfather received a scam call um, from someone who claimed it was me with a broken nose, and I'd gotten to an accident, and I needed some money to cover bail plus hospital fees, and uh, they had an awful lot of my personal information as well as my grandfather's, as um, as well as people I know. Um, is it common? Like, I don't know if I was a victim of identity theft and it just kind of scaled up to my grandfather um, and they were trying to take advantage of him, but I'm not, I'm not really sure how that happened and how they got so much information about me. Okay, Stephen, that is that is a very common scam that we refer to as the grandparent scam. Basically, <laughs> basically, uh, the scammer can get your information uh, th- uh, in a number of ways. Let me ask you this. Are, do you have a social media account? I do. Okay, does your grandparent have a social media account? No. Okay. What that, what that scammer likely did was... Uh, reviewed your uh, social media accounts, got as much information about you as they possibly could, and and it only takes a little bit uh, once they target you and and your family. So if they had just a little bit of information Mm -hmm. about about you, they they could call your your grandparent or any family member and say... um, that you, they are you, and just if they give any information that the grandparent knows is correct about you, then they're able to possibly trick them into believing that it is you and that you are in an emergency situation where they need to send you money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, Stephen, they don't even need that the, the, the person's name. A lot of times they just say something such as, hi, Grandma, I need your help. And the grandparent will just assume that it's such and oh, such as oh, voice. Oh, Stephen! Oh, yes. Stephen! What's wrong? Yes, and then then once the grandparent says, "Oh, Stephen, I'm so sorry, you're you're injured. What's what's going on?" And then the person ha- now has your name. Yes, Grandma, this is Stephen. I need your help. I'm out of town, and 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 I, I've I've been in an accident, and I need for you to send money because the emergency room won't release me, or I've been in some trouble and I've been arrested, and I need for you to send money. They won't release me unless you send this money. And of course, our grandparents, being the wonderful people that they are, they don't want to leave a grandparent in a grandchild uh, in a dire situation. And then the, the 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 key to these type of incidents is they they when they act like you, Stephen, they say, "But please don't tell anyone that this happened to me, Grandma, I, because I'm embarrassed." Oh, oh don't tell my parents. Don't They'll tell my be parents. So upset with I, they, me. They'll be mad at me. They'll be mad at me. So that's how they get the grandparent to do this without even verifying whether or not it's you. And and this one is, is I've heard some fairly frightening versions of this. Um, I had a friend actually who was called and they said, oh, this is um, this is the Hines County Sheriff's Office. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need you to go, you know, uh, your it was, you know, said the name of her, her a sibling or, mm-hmm. or something. And and. Um, and said, oh, we need you to go down to uh, such such a location and you can send the money via Western Union or via MoneyGram or something, which that I mean, that was a huge tip off. But as mm-hmm. these as as folks get better at doing this type of scam, it's, they're going to get more and more innocuous and they're And, you know, when they put that kind of emergency pressure on you, um, mm-hmm. you know, a good idea to recommend to recommend there is always, you know, put the phone down and call them back. 
uh, right. you know, oh, if this is Stephen, well, I'm, I'm just going to call Stephen back. Right. Like, give me, give me just a moment, or I, you know, or I will call your parents, and, and yes. you know, right. And and we we encourage people don't be afraid to slow down the situation. If mm. for some reason you want to continue the conversation, don't be afraid to slow it down because any any efforts on their part to make you make a decision in haste should bring up a red flag. All right, uh, Stephen, thank you for that call because, as, yeah, that's that's a really current scam. And that thing I would say, and this might sound kind of silly on the front end, but the the times we're living in is that establish with your senior, you know, your, your grandparents or whatever, maybe a code word or something that you will always say, if I need help, I will say, you know, anything. Just, that's but, a good you know, idea. A, so that they know that this is an authentic thing. This is really, you know, coming from, from their loved one because that is really, I mean, when we get into these, it always ruffles my feathers because this is so awful the way that they're trying to take advantage of people and the way they try to exploit you know really again we're talking about seniors here but anybody and again that idea of urgency is always one they use I know one the scam that I've seen on a a phishing thing is um, you know this is your Apple account and someone accidentally bought you know $300 worth of some online game or whatever you know you need to call get us right now so we can you know undo Mm -hmm. this transaxon or whatever yeah yeah so all right uh, we've got some calls online but we do need to take another break you're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Visiting today with Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. If you'd like to join us, you can call 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. How prevalent is elder financial abuse? We'll tell you that when we get back from the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're visiting today with Bridget Wiggins. She is Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division, and we're talking about senior financial abuse. So according to a recent research, 1 in 20 older adults indicated some form of perceived financial mistreatment occurring in the recent past, but only 1 in 44 cases of financial abuse is ever reported. And Bridget, that's something we touched on a little bit earlier is, you know, have that trust with your senior and really uh, stay engaged with them. So if something goes on, they might be a little bit too embarrassed to know that they've gotten scammed. But if you're involved in there, you can help them out and and report that. And and your office can then take steps to try to maybe prevent other people from being affected by that same scam. Absolutely. And we always encourage people to contact our office and let us know, even if you haven't been a victim of a scam, if someone has 
reached out to you and attempted a scam, uh, let us know because we need to keep, keep up with the different scams that are being perpetrated out there. But yes, uh, we, we need to stay in, engaged with our seniors and we need to uh, keep an eye on them because uh, they, they are ashamed if they become victim. Um, they, they're, they're scared that they might lose their independence. They want they don't want you mm. to think that they can't take care of themselves. And, and just because they've been the victim of a scam, it doesn't mean that they can't take care of them take care of themselves because people from all walks of life have become victims to scams. And, you know, we were sharing some stories in, in the break, and I'll, I'll admit that, too, is, you know, it's not just seniors. I caught myself on one, but I was halfway through filling out someone that I realized then was, a, you know, was a scam. And when you do, you know, it's like the old V8, you knock yourself in the head. And so anybody can be a victim of it and be embarrassed about it. And so uh, I think, as we're saying, keep that engagement with those seniors so that they aren't ashamed and then they will share this information so that they don't get further, uh, you know, taken advantage of. And I think Kevin is a great role model. You know, don't be embarrassed. Just come on the radio and say it. <laughs> just, just say it. Back to the phone lines we go. Our friend uh, Kathleen from Osaka is on the line with us. Uh, good morning, Kathleen. Go ahead. I ain't afraid. <laughs> and I'm going to say Tell it. Tell us what happened. Um, well, I have noticed uh, Walmart changed their financial record keeping with Capital uh, to Capital One. Now, I have been bombarded with advertisements and stuff for them for years, and I've been trying to call and tell them, quit mailing me stuff. I'm in and out, you know, and I don't need it building up. Mm -hmm. And when I go in, I had to sign an agreement to pay through my card Mm -hmm. or go through um, a check that has to be approved for my account. So... I had to because I only shop once a month and I had a buggy and a half, Mm -hmm. so I signed. Well, within three days, I got a call saying they were from Walmart. They're calling the half of Walmart to help me with a card. And, um, of course, I didn't believe them, and I kind of got angry because... Walmart is facilitating. Walmart isn't per se doing it, but Capital One is. And I had gone in again thinking that was a fluke, and I didn't realize the first time what was going on. Within two days, I had another call. Same mo. We're calling behalf of we're calling behalf of Walmart. We represent them. We're Capital One and all this stuff. Now, I'm not online not social with anybody but my cats. Mm-hmm. And then I have cut off all my magazines at least three years ago. And I pay all my bills once a month using money orders. So it doesn't have my routing number and my checking number, account number on their things. And uh, one magazine assured me that they don't do that. So I gave them the name of my dog. Uh, Dixie, who had passed on, no offense to my baby, and I used Pouchet instead of Pooch. <laughs> and sure enough, I started getting all this mail for Dixie Pouchet. And uh, I called the company, told them I knew it was them. And I explained how, and I told them, don't do it again, and I want you to be responsible for stopping all this. Well, eventually they stopped because I started putting the mail in the envelope that they gave me unopened and mailing it back to them. 
Good for you. And I, I may be a one woman old hippie living out in the woods, like a Mississippi, but I'm trying to give them Dickens. But people that don't realize this, and then I get these calls about my car warranty. Well, God bless them. My car is 25 years old, and I just got an antique tag. So I'm going, I'm listening. I said, oh, really? Which one is it? Mm-hmm. Well, you're still driving the key of something, something. I hollered out in his ear, fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and then I hung up and blocked the number. But I've been blocking numbers. I actually got over 17 calls over the weekend, just mm. the weekend, for all kinds of stuff. Uh, And I don't shop. One time I found a lady was using my phone number to apply for jobs and credit cards and all this. Mm -hmm. And now, Kevin knows I'm 68, okay? (laughs) I got a bill for $500 from Fredericks of Hollywood. (laughs) I'm going, in my dreams, in my dreams. You know, I I think I think that's one good thing that you're doing there is, you know, you've cut off magazine subscriptions and things like that that you don't need, which, you know, the less that your name is out there, the less that's going to show up on marketing less and and the less people are going to pursue you. But also, um, I mean, something that I I do, I don't answer the phone if it's not a number that I recognize on my on my personal cell phone. it, because ninety nine percent of the time it does end up being, you know, it's a it's a spam call or it's 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 a it's a, it's a or even yeah. just a wrong number and um and you know just to not waste my time and if it is someone I know then they can leave a message right and, and I will get back to them immediately and and that's a good that's a good uh, method to use um, but if, but even if you uh, don't want to just be that proactive. There mm-hmm. are apps that are available that w- that you can uh, right. put on your phone, and, and some of them are free. Um, and we actually have a consumer guide that we give out to people to help stop those unwanted calls. And th- these apps will allow you a, 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 to do a number of things. It, some of them only allow calls to come through if they're in your contacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, others will, if it's an unknown number, will send them straight to your voicemail, and that way you can choose to to listen to it and decide whether or not you want to call this person back. And then others will just alert you that it's, it, it is possibly a robocall or mm. a telemarketing call. So there, there are things that you can use to help you. And again, we do have a guide in the Consumer Protection Division of the Attorney General's Office that is available to you. If you'd like to have it, you can go to our website or you can contact our office and we'd be happy to mail it to you. And I know the Public Service Commission as well has done uh, something yes, we with, actually a, worked with, with an them. app to... We we actually worked there with them go. to put together this brochure. And that helps uh, helping report those so that uh, other people don't fall victim. Absolutely. And I'm going to say that the latest operating system for Apple iPhones does has that feature where you can send, if it's not in your contacts or a recent call, it'll uh, it'll send it to directly to your voicemail. And I know I've done it, and a friend of mine have done it, and they we just put on our voicemail that says, hey, sorry, but there's been so many scam calls. I don't answer you know numbers right. I don't recognize. If it's a legitimate thing, please leave a message. And I'm the same way with Kathleen. I, you know, the other day I got like six calls from South Dakota, Iowa, Michigan. Mm. So some of them try to spoof with the local number and right. I get calls from all parts of Mississippi I don't know people in. But then when you get these far-reaching calls, you're like, I don't know anybody in, I don't know anybody in Iowa anywhere. So, you know, uh, but uh, it's, it's you got to stay on top of it because they're always trying to get one step ahead of us. So uh, we've got Rob on the line, I think, who has a personal finance question for us. Good morning, Rob. You're on the air with us. 
Good morning. Uh, yeah, I'm a senior citizen living in Vicksburg. And, you know, I'm planning to make uh, one of these people that I that has been close to me and has helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. I want to make that person beneficiary of one of my investments. Mm-hmm. And this is with the consent of my children, you know. So what I want to find out is what would be the tax burden potentially on them in terms of state uh, taxes and federal income tax kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so um, for I'll tackle the tax issues for them. It depends on what type of account. Um, if that is a traditional IRA or 401k style uh, tax deferred account, then when they inherit it, they will be required because they are uh, not your spouse. No, no, it's, it's a standard investment. Just a standard investment account? Yeah, so a standard investment account, they will inherit it and they will inherit it at the uh, value that it is. Um, if they are if, if you are have them listed as a beneficiary, which you can do in Mississippi, it's called a transfer on death. Most financial yeah, institutions yeah, can is, help you with is, that. That is, the, yep. that is the kind of survivor. So, so if it's just a bank account, they inherit it you know, as is. It's cash. If it's investments, they inherit it. And their cost basis is the cost basis on the day that you die. Uh, so really, if they sell it the next day, they probably will have no taxes whatsoever to pay. You know, maybe you know, pennies. Um, so, so it would be like a capital gain. So it would be like a capital gain. It, it would be treated like a capital gain, but again, with their cost basis would not be the same as yours. For instance, if you bought a yeah. stock for $1,000 and on the day that you died, it was worth $2,000. If you had sold it, then you would have a $1,000 yeah. capital gain. However, yeah. when someone inherits it from you, they inherit it with a $2,000 cost basis. So when they yeah. sell it, then they have no capital gains. Um, okay. So they have no tax burden from that. Um, that's generally how inheritance works. Um, estate tax really only kicks in, I believe it's it's above about $12 million. So it just depends oh. on the uh, dollar figure that you're leaving them. Oh, okay. Um, nowhere, you know, it's, it's nowhere near this. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Keep it under that $12 and you should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and so, yeah, that's that's the tax burden there. And yeah, um, it's the same with the federal tax also? Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, okay. that is, that, that's it. Okay, so they, they don't have any advantage in withdrawing, say, $15,000, which is a gift tax kind of a thing a year. They, they don't necessarily have any advan- tax advantage. No, uh, no, there's there's no tax advantage per se. Um, I would say from an estate planning standpoint, um, you gifting them money while you are both still alive yeah. might yeah. make a little more sense. Um, we've dealt with situations where folks, you know, there was somebody very close to the family. They may be included as a beneficiary, um, but, you know, later they wanted to remove that person. You know, perhaps it was, you know, they were helping someone get on their feet, uh, but then when they did get on their feet, they didn't need them as a beneficiary. So it it doesn't make sense necessarily to use the beneficiary features or the transfer on death features for that sort of thing. Um, It's simply paying somebody. It it, it does not make any difference if I... 
you give this as a gift to them, but I thought on the gift tax they would have to pay a gift tax on that. No, the gift tax gift tax is if you give over fifteen thousand dollars in a single year. Or over, uh, what is it, $75,000 as a single five-year gift. Gift tax is also paid by you, not by them. So, you you know, if you gave them over $15,000 in a single year, or again, over $75,000 and designated as a five-year gift, then you would be the one responsible for the, for the, for the taxes, not them. Um, so again, you know, there's no real big tax difference. The difference with gifting is they receive the money now, uh, you know, and also just the fact that um, beneficiaries, you know, just be careful about all of the implications for the estate. You know, just imagine what would happen if you lived much, much, much longer. Um, if that account became your primary account, uh, if money was transferred in or out of that account, if they died before you and you never change things, um, if you had a falling out, just imagine in the time that you have left on this earth, anything can happen. And just make sure that what you are doing truly is aligned with what you want to accomplish. Um, And it is good that you've already incorporated your your children into those conversations and they understand what's going on. Um, But in some regards, it might just make sense to include them in your will and say, you know, give so-and-so X number of dollars Um, or, you know, uh, at the discretion of my executor, you know, if so-and-so is still blah, 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 you know, give them X dollars and make sure that your siblings understand that Um, it might be possible to accomplish this sort of gift, which is a wonderful thing to do for somebody. But it might be possible to accomplish this in a way that aligns with what, what you really want better. All right, Rob, we appreciate your call. It's time for one final break this hour. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our guest for this hour is Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. We'll be back with uh, more. We've got uh, Tim on the line. We'll get to Tim's call after this break, so stay tuned. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, and our guest today is Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. We're talking about senior financial abuse and scams in general. Tim from Tylertown has been holding on. Tim, you're on on the air with us, so go ahead, please. How about upstairs? Tim, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, this is Tim. I, I was uh, calling about spoofing. I think that's what they call it when somebody takes your phone number. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I heard that lady say she had 17 calls last month or last weekend. Mm-hmm. 
it seems like once they call you, now they've got your number and they somehow reroute calls through your number. And we've been getting them. My wife, she wants to answer. I said, don't answer them. If it's important, <laughs> they'll leave a message. Right. Exactly. That's right. exactly it. So then, then the next thing that happens is people call me want to know, what did you want? I missed your call. They're like, oh, well, help me out here. And you try to, you try to you send them a text or you call them and try to explain it to them, and they get angry with me and hang up. It's crazy. Yeah. Unfortunately, Tim, that's kind of the, the times we're living in. And we you know, said earlier that some of this stuff may seem a little silly, like code words and that sort of thing when, when someone's calling. But unfortunately, that's that's kind of what it's come to. Uh, Bridget, got a couple of minutes left. If you would, remind us again of what phishing is and, and how we can avoid uh, those types of scams. Okay, well, phishing is basically exactly what it sounds like. Basically, they, they mask, mask themselves as one thing to try to get your information, uh, um, basically. Basically, uh they, they act like they're calling for one reason, but then they're really trying to get your personal information or mm-hmm. they're emailing you uh, uh, acting like there's someone else. And again, just trying to get your personal information. I think you mentioned uh, earlier, Kevin, when we were maybe off the air about the tech scams. Uh, that's that's a common phishing scam that we see basically uh, through your phone or through your computer. Uh, they uh, The scammer acts like they're from some legitimate company like Microsoft or, or any uh, computer company and basically say something like, we noticed that your computer may have a virus. Uh, please contact this number so that we can assist you. Uh, th- th- actually, this scam comes in uh, many different forms. There's also one where they basically just uh, take control of your computer mm-hmm. and then you have to pay a ransom for them to to, to uh, get back the, the access to your computer. But the biggest phishing scam that we're seeing right now, Kevin, is what we call the social security scam and it too comes in many different formats. Basically, they send you some type of email or telephone call saying they're from the social security administration and uh, again, many different forms. One form is they tell you that your social security number is about to expire and you need to contact oh. Contact this number to uh, reactivate it. And, of course, when you contact the number, they ask you for your name and your social Social security security number. number. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, fishing for your information. Another version of the social security scam is where they contact you and say that they're from some type of law enforcement, whether it be the FBI or or your local uh, law enforcement. And they say that your social security number has been used in the commission of a crime. Again, they're just trying to get your information. So if you didn't initiate the call. If you don't know the person, just do not give out your personal information. All right. We've run out of time. A great show, Bridget. Thank you so much for being with us this morning and sharing this important information. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Ryder Taff and Bridget Wiggins, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's in legal terms. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com mortgage. Member FDIC, 
Equal Housing Lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 